Hey everybody, episode 51, Death Stranding. This is going to be quite the episode, purely because Death Stranding is quite the artistic experience. I love it. I know not everyone in the world does, but I will very much come out as one of the Death Stranding Defence Force, and I hope the next hour or so may convince you to give it a shot. Alright, enough waffle. Oh, and if I sound slightly bunged up, I do apologise. I appear to have a slightly weird sinus issue. Anyway, enjoy. If I told you that for the second week in a row, we're actually... I say second week, second episode in a row, we're actually going to do something that Conan O'Brien was involved in, would you believe me? Was Conan O'Brien involved in this? Yep. <laughs> now that is surprising. It's a very small thing. I'll come to it later. Okay. But I thought that would be a fun little link between the last episode the and this one. The continuity over the pod. Yeah. What if that was a rule? We had to... Li- oh. <laughs> Scrap the whole podcast. We're starting again. <laughs> but yeah, as I mentioned, Conan O'Brien is in this. We are talking about 2019's action game, but depending on who you ask, it's also something else. Death Stranding, released in twenty originally released in twenty nineteen on the PlayStation Four. Um, subsequent later di- director's cut versions have appeared in twenty twenty one. There's a PC port uh, created by Kojima Productions, the first game from the independent studio founded by former Konami legend. There's no other way to say it. He's a video games legend, Hideo Kojima. So Death Stranding, a fascinating video game. A this episode is going to be a bit weird because I think this is the first time I'm going to talk about something where I fucking love it, mm-hmm. but I can't honestly recommend it to everybody that's listening. I can't. This is the first time I think it's I've encountered this. It's an acquired taste type of thing. I very much believe it is. Fair. And I think the, cri- the critical reaction would imply that as well. Oh, is it mixed? Well, in Japan, it's this is the greatest thing ever made. Cool. And in the West, it's some people are like, oh, it is really fucking good. But others are like, this is pretentious, weird nonsense. So it sounds just like... Uh, and I agree act- with all of it. Well, but that feels like the response many people have to like various forms of art, you know? Yeah. Like, there's a lot of albums that you and I enjoy that most people will be like, it's not for me, actually. I don't like this. Yeah. A lot of people think it's the best shit that was ever made. Yeah. Now, the story behind this game's existence um, is a fascinating one. Because this game and the Kojima Productions company basically only exist because of a falling out between Konami and Kojima himself. A falling out that we know fuck all about the details because mm. there's NDAs up the wazoo. So I couldn't even I couldn't even speculate as to the exact reasons that they fell out. Just that he left? Yes. Okay. So the, during the production of Metal Gear Solid 5, The Phantom Pain, uh, their cracks were showing. Eventually, he was basically kicked out of the company. Again, the reasons we for that... Nobody fucking knows. He's not saying it's quite possibly he'll never he never will. But in order for this um, story to make sense, we do have to start at we'll start roughly around the period where there was another game that he was creating for Konami in collaboration with uh, Guillermo del Toro. Yes, that one, and the actor Norman Reedus, aka which you probably most of you probably know from The Walking Dead, Daryl Dixon, who at this point is basically well, he's been basically every episode. Of that show, I know there's a spin-off. He's he's, he's getting his own spin-off series. Okay. I've read there's about a billion different Walking Dead spin-offs in the pipeline. Right. <laughs> it's like 
I stopped watching Walking Dead after series two because I hated the direction it went in. But that show is a juggernaut. I've never seen a single episode. That's crazy. The first series is actually amazing. Like it is actually amazing. But there was a um, showrunner who got changed. It was Frank Darabont. He left because they were cutting the budget. Whole thing. Whole thing. John Bernthal's in it as well. Yeah. In the first two series, he's fucking amazing. Basically, he, his entire character is just him like rubbing his head. The amount of times he just like rubs his head. Like, it's just like, oh, man. <laughs> Separate conversation. <laughs> Back to this, but Back that was this. amusing. <laughs> okay, so they were they were working on a project together in the Silent Hill video game series, which mm-hmm. is a very, very popular horror yeah. series. It was going to be called Silent Hills. They made this incredibly tense and horrifying teaser, which has gone down in legend because it's the only sort of form of existence that this game has. Oh, okay. And um, it's called PT. And basically, at the end of it, that was like the sort of reveal that this is like the teaser for like a new big Silent Hill game. So that gets canned. That gets canned. Kojima's out of uh, Konami. This project that was had a lot of people incredibly excited. I'm not even that big a Silent Hill fan. I would have been... I would have bought this first day. Mm. I was so excited for this. I thought it was... It's just like an incredibly well-respected and beloved film director, an incredibly well-respected and beloved game director, and Daryl from The Walking Dead. Norman Reedus is a bit of a... Norman Reedus is a rather excellent presence. Yeah. He's a very popular presence. I would have been all over this shit. So that gets cancelled. That all gets thinned. He forms his own company. And we end up with Death Stranding. So Death Stranding only exists because of a set of, because of a corporate dispute. It may have eventually happened. Mm. That's the thing. We don't know if something like this would eventually have happened. This wasn't some like idea that he'd had for like 40 years and just kept on the back burner. But this game is so different to like what Silent Hills would have been. Yeah. I, I, I know enough about Silent Hill that uh having just watched the trailer for this before we recorded this, I believe you <laughs> deeply. Yeah. So a little bit about Hideo Kojima. I'm not gonna give you the full love story because I'm gonna be saving a lot of this for the inevitable episodes on the beloved Metal Gear Solid mm. Metal Gear series, depending on when you got into it which was basically the main creative aspect of his life from 1987 um, to 2015. That was basically his entire video game working life. In fact, pretty much his entire working life because he um, wanted to be a film director, basically. Mm. There was like a tradition in his family where they would watch a film every night. It'd be really varied. It'd be like some European films. It'd be some Japanese films. It wouldn't just be, you know, like they'd watch whatever's on the telly. They'd they'd, like, they wouldn't, he wouldn't be allowed to go to bed until they finished the movie. There was a real like appreciation and love for film mm. in that house. He grew up in Tokyo too, he was about four, then they moved to Osaka. Uh, but he really genuinely fell in love with movies and he wanted to be a movie producer. Like he he won he said in an interview, In my childhood there were no good teachers or adults around me. I was disappointed in them, but I discovered amazing tales by reading novels or watching movies. They moved me and I moved forward. The stories helped me when I was lost in life. That sentiment I think a lot of people can relate to mm. I think a lot of people whether they are in film or whether they're in creative pursuits or even just in life yeah I think people can relate to that he ended up working for Konami because um and I quote I began looking for a company to work for and settle on Konami not because of the type of games they were making at the time but rather because they were listed on the stock exchange <laughs> they were the only games company to be listed at the time not even Nintendo had that accolade Wow, okay. <laughs> yeah. So the first game that he's working on is this game called Penguin Adventure, a sequel to a game called Antarctic Adventure made for this very old um, game system called the MSX. 
that's a proper like niche thing. I, yeah, I, I've never I, heard of that. I've never seen it. In, I don't know if it ever got released in this part of the world. It's one of oh, okay. the, that's the level of niche I'm talking. But he helped to bring in some more complex elements to the game, like for example, multiple endings, which is Ooh. nowadays this is loads of people do this and take almost take it for sure. Granted. But back in the day, I would have oh, thought God, that is not what was done. Like. No, not at all. Not at all. He then ends up being assigned to work on a game called Metal Gear mm. because a senior associate. Like it was some, I can't quite get the full exact reason, but to my knowledge, there was like a senior person that it just wasn't working with. So basically, they bring him in to like retool and sort of change what the actual game is, and he does. He basically, in, do I want to say definitively invents the stealth game? I mean, he makes a major example of a game where instead of just shooting people, you have to hide from people and get mm. around them. Part of this was inspired actually by the technical limitations of the machine. Oh, okay. But he, uh, well, put it this way, he stumbled on something that a decade or so later would uh, be a serious hitting of the striking of gold. Yeah. Let's just yeah. say that. Let's just say that. Uh, <laughs> so, Metal Gear Solid, like, so Metal Gear, there's Metal Gear 2. Then in 1999, this is, the, this is like the atom bomb moment, Metal Gear Solid is released for the PlayStation. And that is released in the West. Yeah. And this is a game that, I mean, to say that it, I don't want, I don't like to use hyperbole per se, but it had a seriously profound effect on many, many gamers of that time. It had a profound effect. It was the story was insane, uh, in the best way, because um, <laughs> this is technically the third game in a series. It's not like this isn't the first game. Yeah. It's it, it obviously when you're like young and western and you don't have the internet. You don't realise that this is actually game number three in a series. Um, There's the first one in 3D. It's the first one with, like, voice acting. Like, the voice act... Like, it was like watching a film. But also playing this weird game with these strange characters. Like, there's a character in it called Vulcan Raven, for example, who is described as Giant and Shaman. Mm -hmm. They have all these, like, these weird codenames of, like, there's a character who gets his arm chopped off. There's a ninja... There's a person, there's like a sniper that this like scientist guy really fancies. It's like, oh, I love this sniper. She's so awesome. And like, oh. He basically, basically he is a simp. Like, I'm not joking. He is a simp. Like, that is the first, I think that might be the first time I was aware of someone that displayed simp behavior. <laughs> so, Otacon, like, if you if you know, you fucking know, and you know I'm right. Otacon, simp. Um, but like, Sorry, I feel like I'm getting sidetracked. I feel like I'm getting sidetracked into Metal Gear. I feel like I'm getting but it's important for you to understand why this. It's basically I'm trying to set the context of why Death Stranding is so heavily anticipated. Yeah. This isn't just some like random guy. This is. It's a big deal. This is a big deal. This is the first time this dude had made a game not with Konami ever. He had, you know, this is, you know, he. It's just, it's just a huge. It was a huge, huge deal. This game has trailed for years. The marketing campaign was not anywhere near as weird as the marketing campaign for Metal Gear Solid Five, where he literally invented a fake company mm-hmm. and also a fake Swedish developer to front that fake company <sighs> to talk about a game uh-huh. called The Phantom Pain. Because originally it was like, oh, this is a new game called The Phantom Pain from this new studio. Here's Joachim something. And then a few months later, he's like, gotcha, it's Metal Gear Solid Five. fuck you. That's, That's fun. the year. Because I, I said I wasn't making Metal Gear Solid Five, But I lied. Yeah, he, he That's a did bit a lot of fun. Of, yeah, there's a lot of like long teases. Like Death Stranding was teased for years. Like the first trailer came out three years before the game. In like twenty sixteen? Yep. Oh, okay. Yep. The first original trailer 
came, comes out in 2016. I remember it so well because I was completely hooked. It involves Guillermo del Toro's character because he Guillermo del Toro is the character in this. Um, it involves him. It involves Mads Mikkelsen. It's fucking haunting and weird. Like none of it makes any sense when you first see it because there's like a baby in a tube and there's like black goo. There's a person emerging black goo and he smiles at you creepily. That makes no sense. There is no explanation for any of it at all. And I was just like, I need this. This is the exact... Kojima... You have to understand, Kojima's games are sort of completely insane. Sure. Like, they are wild. They are so... The characters are so memorable because they're so ridiculous. There are games of his I have not played in 20 years. I could recite, like, the entire game. Because there are like movie length cutscenes in some of these games in one of them there in Metal Gear Solid 4 there's at least one cutscene that I believe is 90 no it is 90 minutes long like it's just like an entire movie <sighs> plonked three quarters of the game that is funny yeah like genuinely he if you if you didn't know he wanted to do movies yeah he it's very obvious in the later Metal Gear Solids in particular and there's been the some the confidence to put a 90 minute cutscene into insane. a video game there are so many long ass cutscenes like <laughs> That has been, if anything, Death Stranding, yeah. actually, Death Stranding and Metal Gear Solid 5 sort of toned that back quite a lot. Metal Gear Solid 4 is the apex of it. Because yeah. that <laughs> that's the ending of the series, really. That's the actual ending. Sure. Metal Gear Solid 5 is a prequel. In fact, the timeline of Metal Gear is fucking mad. It, j- it jumps forward, back, forward, back all the yeah. time. But that conversation is for another podcast. Right. Now, the premise of Death Stranding. Okay. Strap in, everyone. This is a bit of a head fuck. Um, I've tried to keep this really, really fucking simple because I don't want to give it... This is the sort of game where I feel like the less you know, the better. But I still mm. kind of want to give a bit of context because it, it does... Like, the less you know about the whole thing, the more you have to discover because there's a lot to discover. So the Death Stranding is set in some sort of apocalyptic version of the United States. There's this sort of cataclysmic event known as the Death Stranding which has caused these invisible creatures called beached things or as they are known throughout the game colloquially bts they are originating and emerging emerging from things called beaches which are sort of meant to be like unique to individuals that are sort of visited near like like near-death experiences and are sort of theorized to be the link to you know the afterlife and they these things start roaming the earth you look like you're about to explode no i'm processing (laughs) now bts in general are they can be sort of created via people dying and then necrosis happening afterwards. But if they consume a living person, they like create this fucking like essentially nuclear explosion, and that's that's called a void out. And BTs also produce this delightful evil rain that's known as timefall, which basically it ages and deteriorates whatever it touches. Okay. Um, now these events sort of lead to the breakdown of infrastructure. And whoever is not, like, you know, dead uh, can find themselves to these sort of, like, remote sort of cities that are... Refer- they, they, they're all called, like, Not Something. Like, there's, like, Lake Not City, Edge Not City. They're all knots in, like, knots, ropes, and strands. Yeah, that's a thing. Not with a K. Not, well, yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> As opposed to the word not. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, they, so this is all colloquial. This is all known as, like, the United Cities of America. Because the United States of America is a gone. Sure. That's a gone thing. That is mentioned so many times again. The US, gone. Yeah. All the cities that are left and these sort of like, you know, individual colonies, 
They rely on the services of a company known as Bridges, who have porters that brave BTs, bandits, and terrorists to deliver supplies. Okay. Bridges also kind of performs like sort of government stuff on behalf of the UCA, so like you know, administration, what have you. Um, if a porter, now, bear with me, everyone. This is where it gets really weird. Now, your character uh, Sam, played with Norman Reedus, explaining this is always a delight. But I'm, I, I, I love it because it's so ridiculous. <sighs> they rely on, well, not rely, but they some have a mental connection to something called a bridge baby, which is a baby in a tube that's sort of meant to simulate a still mother. Okay. Yeah. Simulate was the interesting word there. Well, it's meant to replicate the conditions of like a mother. It's like. So it's like a. Uh, it's like a womb. A womb, yeah. yeah. I was just going to say like an artificial womb. Yes. Okay. Um, if they achieve a mental connection to this bridge baby, uh, it's possible for a person to sense the presence of a BT. The, the, what the babies basically do, they are like, in gameplay terms, but also in narrative terms, they are like, they sense the BTs. Okay. Are you following? <laughs> um, let me, let me, let's check if I understand. And hopefully this will help the listener too. So we start, we open on an apocalypse yes. of, of some such. One of the main issues around this apocalypse are creatures called beached things yeah. or BTs. Yeah. <laughs> they cause a sort of rain type thing called time fall, which makes you all old and fucked up if it and falls kill, on it you and you, you die. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, if they, if you, if you can necrose as a dead body into one of them, yeah. or if they eat you alive, big void. Yeah. So everyone is now it's 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 all the the country's fucked. So there's now just these little culminations of cities rather yeah. than full full on states. Yeah. And to to get shit done in between, there are porters. Norman yeah. Reedus is one of them. Yes. And then there's also babies in tubes, and they can help you see those BTs. Yes. Am I on on the right track? You're not a million. Yeah, you're pretty pretty much. I'm pretty there good. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right. So there's a condition that exists in this world called dooms, which allows a person to naturally sense or possibly even control a BT, as well as granting like various gifts and powers, such as being able to occasionally teleport or travel to other people's beaches. Because remember, beaches are meant to be unique to individuals. Yes. They're the However, kind of the purgatory, yeah. near-death experience yeah. type place. Yeah. yeah. However, of course, if you have dooms, you can travel. Characters can travel. People with dooms can sort of go and use beaches. Okay. Um, there are also individuals known as repatriates who can travel back from what is known as the seam, which is essentially placed between the living and the beach when they die. So essentially, mm-hmm. you can come like repatriates and come back to life. Yeah. Your character Sam is a repatriate. So he not he, a spoiler. He doesn't full on die. He can't. Die. No, not in cool. a traditional sense. Not in the traditional sense. Yeah. yeah. So if, like, for example, like, in gameplay terms, if you get BT'd it mm-hmm. does cause a void out which is uh, in game it actually has that's the real con- that's a much bigger consequence than just dying just dying is annoying if you get thinged and you end up having a void out that means that the terrain around that area is impassable like you cannot there is a, there is literally a void basically yes it's like a giant grave. you cannot yeah. go there It's you have to go around it okay and that is annoying <laughs> okay now I know that's a lot, mm. um, <laughs> but I thought it'd be it'd be ridiculous for me not to mention the, that base premise. It would be kind of impossible to really discuss 
what anything else without sort of mentioning it because like there's not there's not you know just like disclosing the story the main plot yeah and then there's just like saying this is nothing just the world kind of yeah. thing yeah now you could argue that some of this could have been inspired this whole you know the idea of porters and you being a porter so essentially the main gameplay thrust I'll go into it a bit more detail later but the main gameplay thrust thrust is you going from point A to point B with some sort of cargo mm-hmm. that's that is the main thrust of the gameplay. That might sound completely ridiculous to you. You might think, why on earth is that remotely entertaining? I will explain. To me, that kind of just sounds like a reverse quest in the sense of instead of trying to find something, you are bringing something to somewhere, but essentially it's a quest of some kind. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah, I'll go into it in a little bit more detail. But yeah, you could argue that Kojima based some of the basic ideas of of his time, as a brief time when he was much younger, I think he was a student, he was a poster worker. Oh, okay. Here's a quote. When I was a student, I had a part-time job as a postal worker, so I'd always felt grateful toward the people who do this kind of work. But the pandemic made this work more crucial. I wouldn't have survived without Uber Eats. So he was talking after... Because this game came out about barely six months before, you know. Great. Lovely. Yeah. Hauntingly prescient. Yeah, yeah. It's not the first time he's been hauntingly prescient. Uh, Metal Gear Solid 2 basically predicted fake news, social media, fake... Basically... Twitter and all of that nonsense. That game came out in two thousand and one. Sensational! And, what like, a time to be alive. <laughs> and like the majority of it been written before that. Yeah, like, yeah. As I mentioned, Norman Reedus is the star of this game. Other stars of this game include Mads Mikkelsen as uh, Clifford, Leah Sedu as Fragile, and they're the three like big names. Mm. You also have characters that use the likeness of Guillermo del Toro um, and the Danish director Nicholas Winding Refn. Who, if you've seen Drive or Bronson, you know because he's the guy who directed them. Oh yeah, I like both those movies. Yeah, just to give you a further idea of the sort of reverence and the sort of I'll explain. So when Norman Reedus was signed onto the project, his first meeting went thusly: I first met Hideo when Guillermo del Toro called me and said, "Hey, there's a guy who's going to call you and wants to do a video game with you. Just say yes." <laughs> I said, "Who is he?" And he said, "Trust me, just say yes." Guillermo gave me my SAG card and my first acting job, and I and I trust him with everything. I knew this guy would be good if Guillermo was saying this. I know I keep saying it, but like, this dude is like on another level. There, I don't think there's anyone in games who can command the respect as much of people outside of games. Yeah. I've never. I can't think of a single like. There are plenty of people who would command that level of respect within in the games, world. Yeah, yeah. But outside of it, I can't think of many. I also know there's not like. To my knowledge, there's not any sort of major personal scandals about the man himself. Mm. And also, he's the youngest looking 60-year-old man I've ever seen in my life. Oh, my God, he's 60? He's hot. Like, he I, saw, I saw a picture of him when I was looking up the trailer. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't realise he was that old. <laughs> like, I, whether it's Kojima dropped that skincare routine, <laughs> Anyway, sorry, sidetrack, sidetrack. Now... Norman Reedus would then go on to describe the difference between the original Silent Hills project that he was contacted about and Death Stranding. It was completely different. Silent Hills had the backstory and people knew that game, knew what it was about and knew kind of what it would look like. When that went away, I was bummed. But when Hideo described what we were doing next, I completely forgot about it. I was like, thank God that didn't work because this is way better. This is a completely different thing. I've been with Hideo at the Game Awards and he's like the Beatles. Grown men in their 40s are screaming with tears in their eyes like Elvis just walked into the room. (laughs) I'm like, who is this guy? The Hideo that I know is a friend of mine. He's had dinner at my house, met my girlfriend and my cat. He's always been super personable and such a friendly guy with a great sense of humour. 
He's great to hang out with. I've really got to know the mind of Hideo just a little bit. I like the fact that Silent Hills didn't happen, to be honest, because I've gotten such a peek into the way that he works and the way he thinks, and I'm completely blown away by this guy. He's not the only person that will say reverential, beautiful things yeah. about. Like, Mads Mikkelsen, like, describes that he tries to meet Hideo Kojima. Like, if they're in the same city they try and meet, like, they are... It's That's nice. Yeah, the, the people, <laughs> people who like working with Hideo Kojima, just, this man inspires serious reference like mm. normal readers described the, the situation like when well, you know the um people would like would just come to the studio where they were doing Death Stranding like to just to meet him not not oh, for okay. any sort of like 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 for example he described an occasion with like Grimes yeah. you know um, I'm aware of Elon's Grimes. one of Elon's I knew who Grimes was before yeah. that yeah yeah I'm not that out yeah. of touch with the with the culture yeah. Louis like he was describing when she just like came not not to like appear in the game or do like anything just literally to just say to say hi. hi just to like like oh my god I'm such a fan it's it, it it's fucking mad. I the this fucking guy, this fucking guy, <laughs> the reverence that this man is held in is just like it. It still blows my head off. Like because I, if I, <laughs> Mads Mikkelsen described his recruitment to the project in the following way to GQ. I'm not a big gamer. The last thing I did was Pac Man, but that's a few years ago. <laughs> my son is a big gamer, and when he heard I was having a meeting with Hideo, he was like, "Dad, it was like the coolest thing he'd ever heard. Never mind all the films that I've done that I thought he'd find cool. <laughs> this was the coolest thing. The first time I met him was on Skype, where he pitched me the entire game, or as much as he wanted to pitch. He showed me the giant storyboard he made, and it was insanely impressive. And Nicholas, as in Nicholas, running reference, yeah, my good friend with whom I've done five movies, highly recommended him." When Nicholas does that, he means it. He was very, very impressed with Hideo. So I decided on the Skype call, let's do it. I'm not sure what it is, but it sounds like it's going to be fun. <laughs> and then we started working and I found myself in a green room in a helmet. Yeah, I've seen the footage of them like motion capturing this. Because I actually didn't know they they mo-capped this rather than just they provided the likeness and voice. Yeah. And it's fucking weird when you see Madsburger sitting in the mo-cap get up. I love seeing anyone in a mocap get up, <laughs> which is largely, I mean, most of the mocap I've seen is just watching Mythic Quest, to be quite honest, <laughs> but, um, which is not quite the same, but it's, it's, it's fun. Yeah. It's fun to see people mocap in their way around the place. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but you know what? There is a really interesting quote that came from Kojima not too long before the game came out. He said, even now, I don't understand the game. It's worldview <laughs> gameplay. They're all new. My mission is to create a genre that does not currently exist and which takes everyone by surprise. There is naturally a risk in that. So what he... There was a description that he put... I think he put on his Twitter. And I think it was translated very weirdly. He described Death Stranding as... And this is the translation. So I do think there was definitely some sort of translation issue because it seemed very weird how it was described. Mm. As a action game slash strand game. Right, the strand thing, I'll explain. Mm. So, a huge part of this game involves... The, well, there are a lot of characters who talk about strands and ropes and tying things together. Okay. The concept of a strand of something is mentioned repeatedly. Well, you've already mentioned knots yes. as well. So, like, the... Connection. Rope terminology yeah. seems to be the theme here. Yeah. You can't, like, there is a sort of, like weapon that you use is basically just a rope mm. to like sort of fucking dick people not kill them but like to um, unconscious certain types of people certain enemies um yeah like ropes and strand yeah 
it's insane how much of a thing that is. Just as a <laughs> as a thing. So, so uh, we mentioned some of the characters. So I'll break it down a little bit more. So your character is Sam Bridges, played by Norman Reedus. Other major characters include Leo Sidhu's Fragile, uh, Dead Man. These are all real names, by the way, the characters. That's the one that's mm-hmm. modelled after Game of the Toro. Die Hardman, played by Tommy L. Jenkins. Great who, name. Yep. I'm not going to say why he's called Die Hardman, because that Does is... Does he die hard? I don't want to say. You have a character called Mama, who's played by Margaret Qualley. You have Hartman, who is the likeness of Nicholas Reffin. Yep, these, like, these are all real fucking names. I'm not joking. Don't laugh. They are real. Actually, no, do laugh. They're no. hilarious. The first time I heard Die Hardman, I fucking Die Hardman soiled myself. Name. Here's the thing. You've been saying Die Hardman around the house since you played that game. So it, it, I'm unsurprised by it. Yeah. It's not a true <laughs> reaction. Yeah. Because I'm used to it. But uh, it's a great name. Yeah. Kojima characters have insane names. You have, you know, there's a character in Metal Gear Solid that's just called Vamp. Nice. I like that. Yeah. You, have Vamp, you have Fat Man. You have um, Liquid Snake. Solid Snake. Like, these are actual code names and characters. I like Liquid Snake. I know it's from a different game, but yeah. <laughs> Liquid Snake's good. <laughs> yeah, there's all... <laughs> the fact that you're only called Sam Bridges is almost disappointing. But like... it's just a name. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know... Yeah, so... And uh, Matthew Mickelson plays uh, Clifford. Because, of course, you know, why would you have a no- weird name? He gets a normal name. <laughs> The basic gameplay loop, as I say, it sort of requires you to get from take something from A to B. So it'll be, for example, mm-hmm. transport, say, some materials to another city or another individual. Because a lot of places are just individuals that live sort of on their own, sort of like mm-hmm. preppers. A lot of characters are referred to as preppers okay. and survivalists. So it'll be sure. called things like the survivalist, um, the Evo, the Evo Devil biologist. Mm. Uh, like you know, there's a timefall farm that you encounter at one point that uses timefall to like grow crops incredibly fast. It's, ah. yeah, it's fascinating. But like, you have all of these little places that you take things to. Like, there are lots of non-story related missions as well. So if you want, it's like what you can do is if you want, you can to build up your star rating because that is a thing in this game. There is a star rating system, and you can get like five stars everywhere. And if you want, you can take cargo from A. If you take cargo from A to B, but then you can also go to C if you want to sort of fill stuff in. If you yeah. want to, you know, take more. The reason you do this is what happens is when you get to certain places, you connect them. You can connect them, and that creates something called the chiral network. The chiral network, easiest way to describe it without giving spoilers, is really advanced three D printer. In gameplay terms, that's essentially what it is. Okay. It's like a really fu- like hyper advanced like think of a three D printer, then think of like magic. That's the chiral network. Also well it, it also just reminds me of on any sort of like sci fi from the nineties. Like replicators and stuff. Yeah, it's basically yeah. Yeah. In gameplay terms it's fun. I was thinking of Red Dwarf for. and yeah. their, their food system, yeah. but <laughs> Yeah. Any any sci fi. Star Trek is the same. Yeah. <laughs> But when you do this, when when you take things everywhere, you can't just like take infinite cargo. Yeah. You have, you you know, you, you have only a, have one man's spine yeah, to you, take that weight. Here's the thing: like, <laughs> you have all these weird sort of attachments to your suit that sort of are able make you able to carry far more cargo than you could carry in the real world. Sure. In terms of pure weight, like the amount of times you'll be carrying like 70, 80 kilograms of cargo, which is that's a lot over long ass distances mm. and like you could it's quite fun because you can stack cargo to like 
Oh, I've 20 seen. feet in the fucking air if you wanted to. I've seen. There's a ba- there's a, I like that you, you are forced to rebalance your centre of gravity. Oh, yeah. Do you know what I mean? You can't just keep walking upright with like a, a, with a 20-foot stack of boxes. You have to like lean properly to yeah. not make yourself collapse over with the weight of it. Yeah. It's so... Physics. Yeah, physics. And like, obviously, as the game progresses, you can, you know, get upgrades and have more cargo, etc., etc., etc. What you're... In the early part of the game, right... Trying to like balance cargo is like mm. fucking impossible. It's so challenging, and this like this is the only game I think I've ever played where the mere act of walking from A to B is half the challenge. <laughs> no, I'm serious. I'm deadly serious because remember in this game your character basically can't die in the traditional sense. Yeah. But if you fuck up the cargo, which when you fall over the cargo gets damaged. Sure. If your cargo gets destroyed. You failed. That is a game over. You don't game over condition is basically destroy the cargo. Ah, okay. And if you do that, you've got to restart the whole thing again. Sick. Yeah. And with that, you, you have to face all these hazards. So we mentioned the beach things, yeah. BTs. But also there's another major hazard in that there are shall we say they're called mules who are essentially porters that have gone insane. Alright. Their whole thing is they've gotten and I'm not joking, this is what the game basically says, they're sort of addicted to delivering things. So they will try and steal your cargo to deliver it. Like, they get... It's almost like the, the way... It's like they get high... They like they get off on delivering. I know it sounds fucking mental. Don't You, you don't even need to say it. It sounds I do have deranged. A, I do have a very logical question. Yeah. If they're addicted to delivering things, would the company not love that? No, the, I'll explain. They don't... <laughs> Do you know what I mean, though? I get what you're saying. I get exactly what you're saying. Or are they just too gone off the wall to functionally do something properly? So therefore, That's, the company is like, get out into this weird hellscape. No, yeah, that, that is it. They, oh, they, okay. They are. Fair they're enough. fucking mad. Like they are not. So they're not delivering them. effectively. It's just the act of delivering. Yeah. It's okay. It's <laughs> fair enough. Very, very weird. Yeah. Like it is mad. Like I, I, I sound like I'm apologising for it. I'm not, but. It's a hard sell. It's a hard sell if you're not, like... Sure, I can see why people if are... If you're not familiar with Kojima's work, this is a hard fucking sell. I can see why people are... Uh, there was mixed reviews. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm into it conceptually, but again, uh, I can see why people would be like, no, I would rather just um, shoot things online with my friends, yeah. please. Well, the thing is... This is a game where actually shooting people with lethal weapons is the worst idea you could ever have. Because if you do that, you have two choices. Leave the body, it gets an necroticized explosion. Or take the body to the incinerator. Because there is an incinerator. That's yeah. All bodies, they get incinerated in this world. That's what you have to do. And the incinerator... It's more work for you. Yep. Great. You, uh, yep, 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 more work. This game is all about fastidiousness and doing good work. Uh, there is something in the again as someone who I've talked about half the games I've ever played on this very podcast <laughs> so but there is something about do you know those um like simulator games that I don't understand the appeal of yeah um like tractor simulator yep. or surgical simulator yep. or just literally simulating just doing someone's job without any plot or excitement yeah this is obviously more in interesting because there is a character driven plot and everything but there is something about it just feels like uh apocalyptic postman simulator yeah in many ways it is 
Like in many ways, that's exactly what it is. Okay. I really, I just I, I, that we're on the, I just said we're on the same page. I'm yeah. understanding what what we're doing yeah. here. Multiple hours of yeah. delivering. Yeah. That's the game. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You know, you do you do a lot of delivering, and like when you get to certain places, you know, a lot of them have uh, bridges have like private rooms, so you know you can go have a little rest. Norm really goes has a little have sit a little down, sleep. has a sleep. When you have a sleep, by the way, um, so with the BTS, uh, there's like a essentially one of the weapons you can construct to con to combat the BTS. You can you can fight them if you wish. Is essentially grenades from your blood. Blood grenades! Yep. Woo! A lot of the ammo that can t- hurt BTs is actually your blood. Why? Uh, because Partly, from a gameplay point of view, it's actually an interesting challenge because, of course, you could spaff all your ammo, but if you haven't got any blood bags, uh-oh, you die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The other thing is, uh, because... Story. No, so, okay, let, story. Me, let, me, let me rephrase. Is it, is, it, is it that you... Norman Reedus character specifically. Norman Reedus, can, yes. Norman Reedus or can well. any human do it? Norman Reedus. Okay, that's more what I was getting at. Yeah, Norman Reedus. Yeah, Norman Reedus. He's a special boy, I assume. Yes. That's the main reason. Oh yeah, of course. He's like, the main character. Yeah, yeah, sure. the game, yeah. <laughs> special boy. And like, what? Well, and you know, so what? Like, now the first time the BTS are sort of appear, like their sort of introduction in the there's a cutscene near the start of the game where it's, it's the first time you will see me uh, Leia Sadu. You meet Fragile. Who is able to basically? Who basically just teleports in? Like you're doing a delivery. Timefall kicks off. You hide in the cave with Fragile, and like the BTS are sold hauntingly. Like mm. you hear this like crunch. Like the sound design in this game is fucking amazing. You hear this ominous like stamp, and you just see this fucking handprint. And it's just handprint. Hand. This little black handprint. There's no. Mm. You don't actually see the thing. And in these, you don't see them in these cutscenes because they're like. They are like stalking you. Yeah, you don't see them until they're basically trying to attack you. Oh, okay. Um, you like so like the first the first BT encounter in the actual gameplay perspective of it is fucking terrifying because you have no defense. You basically just have like you you've picked up a baby. Baby. Yeah, you've seen a BB. BB. You just got a BB, and uh, you have to you you just like. Attached to the BB, I should also mention. Oh, sorry, not attached to the BB. Attached to the suit is something called an Odra deck, which is the actual gameplay function. It basically points out and like is pointing in the direction of where it detects the BT. So in a gameplay, oh, okay. that's how you know where they are. Like it's not like a radar just says there is, and you look in the top corner of the screen. You have this little like thing that pokes out and just points towards it's vaguely it. over there. Yeah, yeah, and it starts flashing more and more and more the closer it gets. Yeah, very like quite haunting. Um, <laughs> Yeah, the first the first sort of encounter with it is genuinely terrifying because you are you have literally no defense. Like you, you can't punch the fucking things. Your choices are run away because you can do that. Can run. They can catch you quite easily, or you know sneak, sneak, sneak. Be a sneaky boy, and it's genuinely like terrifying the first time you do it. Giving some real alien energy. Kind of yeah, but like when you when you're able to if you need to like dispatch something it's still not ideal to do that because you just attract more of them mm. so even if you like so what you're saying is there's no good answer oh. there's only a, a variety of bad answers occasionally you will have you occasionally do have to fight something yeah you do and those fights are insane like they are utterly insane 
I won't spoil anything, but the, the sort of mad giant encounters that you have on occasion are just, they are hilarious because they make you seem so very small. Like you are a tiny little speck in this field of nonsense. So other things you need to think about when you're playing this, when you're trying to deliver something, you have to think about the terrain you're walking on. I've mentioned that just getting from A to B in this game is actually an actual challenge. So if you're walking along what you think is just flat ground, but it's got like a little divot and you're not paying attention and you say you're trying to sprint, you're going to trip over. Sorry, you're just describing my life. Yeah, I am. <laughs> Me falling over a small curve and yeah. falling on my face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. You know, you can <laughs> climb up hills and shit. You can, like, you can, if you want, you can take ladders. You can, like, put a ladder up. You can sort of climb the ladder. You can, if you want to climb down something, if you've got a rope, you can smack it in the ground and climb down with the rope. Now, the thing with doing all this, when when Kojima talks about the strand game, as it were, mm-hmm. or the, the, the unique features, some of the unique features are the chiral network as a concept works across multiple players game states so you don't have other players playing with you but you are connected to other players so a structure you build is accessible by another player in another oh, game okay. so if you build like a zip line because you can build zip lines yeah if you build a road because you can build roads if you build like a time fall shelter because you can put if you wanted to you could put a place in to shelter from the time mm. fall because time fall you've got gear that doesn't affect you that that because otherwise that'd be a ridiculously hard gameplay challenge yeah. but what the time fall does is it fucks your cargo okay, it absolutely yeah. fucking wrecks your cargo pro tip make sure you have at least one container repair spray on you at all times you are going to need it but when you build these structures other players can access them when they're connected on the chiral network okay, that's quite cool you can play without that but that makes the game objectively harder because the thing mm. that makes the game difficult is not necessarily the the enemies it's actually a lot of the time it's the terrain yeah because if you want, you could build a road that goes from point A to point B of the whole map. You could. The materials exist. You can pick up some metals, pick up some ceramics, bang in the, the, um, the Cairo printer, and you can just build a whole... You can build an entire fucking road network. Because you can also get a little tricycle bike things. Yeah. Which are solar-powered, interestingly. Oh, nice. So you can build like charging stations, but you can put them across any point in the map so that, other again, other people can access them when they're connected to that part of the Cairo network. So... I can't even tell you how many times I've been bailed out by just seeing like a little charging station mm. just as my bike is about to go out on me and I'm like, oh God, now I've got to walk up a fucking mountain in the snow where it's just snowing and it's just time for it. It's just going to ruin my cargo. This nuclear bomb is going to explode. Uh, there's a couple of missions you have to carry an antimatter bomb and that is the most fragile thing in the world. Any bump is just like, oh, and it's going to explode now. And then it just does and that's game over. <laughs> Some of the cargo you have to carry is horrifyingly fragile. You can't, like some car, you can't even like take, the easy route would be get on a bike. And while that does make life quicker. It's bumpy. It's so fucking bumpy. Yeah. If you are not careful, you will just destroy your cargo. Also, if you're trying to cross a little river, oh God, that is traumatizing. You need to make sure, you need to do a little scan because you have a little scanner. Do your scan to make sure that the river is the requisite depth. If it's too deep, you will fucking stack it and your cargo will just drift off. Yeah. And it's very possible you will lose that cargo. Interestingly, if you lose your cargo, mm-hmm. it actually appears in other players' games as a <laughs> lost cargo. So, and That's if you fun. deliver that, you when you deliver stuff, you get likes. There's not really like a currency in the traditional sense. There's not really that. The currencies are essentially the materials. 
base, and it's not really you buy it if the if the it's, if the place has the materials, whether it's from your deliveries or whether it's from other players' deliveries. Like that will allow you to make materials like guns, non-lethal mm-hmm. ammo, uh, bikes, um, other types. You know, you can take yeah. other metals if you want to take them to another site. Stuff like that. Is this all making sense? Yeah. Well, I mean, it just sounds like a, you know, a old school bartering almost. Or oh, yeah. Gathering. The thing. economy of the game is definitely, there's like post capitalism is not really a thing. Fiat currency is yeah. <laughs> pre apocalypse. <laughs> yeah. Now we're into various metals. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you take out a BT, there's a material that like appears in the ground. It's called chirelium. It's this weird gold thing. Like you, mm-hmm. that, That's really useful material. So if you kill a BT, make sure you take that little bit of gold chirelium shit because that is really useful. So go and dump it somewhere. I love gold. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do not. I've not even mentioned... I was meant to mention this earlier. I completely forgot. A huge part of Mads Mikkelsen's character it basically involves him talking to a baby in a tube. Baby. Baby. <laughs> Mads Mikkelsen sells the shit out of it. He's fucking amazing in this game. <laughs> he's fucking incredible. Like Every time he's on screen, he's just like, oh my God. Oh my God, what sort of... Is he going to sing... He sings a lullaby to the, to the baby at one point. Yeah, it's haunting. Love that. Yeah. He, uh, he, when he appears, either whether it's from the goo, like he does in the trailer, or whether he's just sort of walking about in the room, it's, ah, oh, I, I love him. He's so good. He's so good. Like Leah Sidhu is also really, really good. Her character is, her character sort of has like to try and solve, not solve, but like she, something happened. Like the one, the main villains of the game sort of did something to her, and she kind of wants a lot of revenge. But her character allows you to do like a fast travel thing. But unlike most games with fast travel, it, you cannot take any materials with you when you fast travel. And the fast, like, so instead, you can't just be like, oh, I know, I'll get this cargo and I'll just fast travel to the other end of the map no. to deliver it. You nope. can just do yourself. Yeah, you can take yourself. The material can't go. It's a very clever way of having both a fast travel mechanic and also making you actually play the fucking game. Yeah. You can't cheat. You can't cheat. Like, <laughs> but yeah, her, I, I really like Lacey Lee's performance. I really like it. Mm-hmm. I, actually, I really like all the performances in this game. I think Tommy L. Jenkins' as Die Hardman is excellent. I really, really, really like the um, Margaret Qualley's performance. She plays twins, technically. Okay. Yeah, she plays... No, it's not even technically. She does. Um, that's a... The, I'm not going to spoil what her characters have to do because that's... Yeah, it's too much of a spoiler, but like, that is an acting. Like, if you got told that in a script, if you got if you got a script that said you are this, I think yeah, your head would explode. But um, what you find? Sorry, I feel like I feel like I need to get to a bit more of a why I love this so much. Yes, because I tell me why you love because I do love later. This. <laughs> so one of the many things I love about this is the incredible sense of isolation but also the incredibly comforting sense of community that you can also feel hmm. like so when you're walking along if you press the touchpad on your controller yeah um, normal reader shouts out hello and if other people here in other games hear you they respond oh that's quite cool it's it's it doesn't really do much have like a major effect on any stats or anything no but there's all these little touches like all the shit that other people build, you can use that is helpful. 
you might be inspired to do that for other people. I was. I was building all kinds of weird shit. I was building like zip lines because zip lines obviously work when they are connected to other zip lines. Mm. So you would see a zip line go, right, that's really good, but it's not connected to another zip line. I know. I'm going to go 150 meters up there, up that mountain. I'm going to put a zip line there because climbing a mountain is fucking stressful in this game. Climbing, literally going up a small hill is potentially terrifying. Is potentially terrifying. This is the only game where I've said it. I say it. I'll say it again. Walking up a hill in this game is harder than like it's. It's my greatest enemy is a gentle incline. Yeah. If you're walking up a hill, gentle incline, when you've got like a hundred kilos of cargo on you, yeah. and you haven't got like enough, you're gonna extra turtle support. yourself over. Yeah, and you can't get back up. You basically have to walk with like full on like because when you put the shoulder buttons sort of help you balance if you're tipping yeah. over so if you hold them both down you're never going to tip over but you're going to walk fucking slowly yeah so you're just like crawling up this fucking mountain <laughs> as what i'm saying is all these connection these ways of connection can make the game so much easier for you and this is a game where it is encouraged it's not like yeah. the game doesn't try and like cheat if you try and make it easier for yourself yeah if you've managed to make it easy for yourself the game just is like yeah cool well done good because that's, I think, I don't say I think that's what Kojima is sort of aiming for. I absolutely believe that's what he's aiming for. He's aiming for that connection. Mm. He he's. If we connect with each other and help each other, we all have a better experience. That's yes. Is that the that's is a that huge, the moral of the game? I think that is the moral of the game. I think that's the moral of the whole piece, and it's yeah. a, and it's beautiful. Like the situation is fucking hopeless. Mm. Like the the general premise, the situation is, fuck, it's fucking depressing. Like. You, like Sam basically doesn't actually talk to another person in person for a lot of the game like when he talks to people they're, they're projected holograms from another part of the world so they're moving around but they're, they're actually in a completely different part of the world oh I wonder what that would be like yeah. <laughs> 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 I'm so funny yeah. um, <laughs> the, uh, you know and there is something else that I would like to um, there is actually a quote I'm going to read out shortly but like building all these little structures, feeling inspired to use them, feeling inspired mm. to build them. Like this is you're not there to trick people because there are other games that you know you can leave messages and like little like because you can do this like you can leave little icons around people and give you likes. Yeah. When you get a certain amount of likes, your ranking as a porter goes up, basically telling you you're doing a really good job. This game is obsessed with telling you how good a job you're doing. Oh. <laughs> it's very wholesome in this weird way. Yeah, yeah. People are always like, oh, we really appreciate this. There's no like characters like oh you're a prick. Well, there is one like the villain is a bit of a prick. Well, yeah, yeah. Like he's <laughs> that's a why they're the villain. Yeah, so the, the villain, the main villain of this piece is a chap called Higgs Monahan, who is played by uh, Troy Baker, who most of you will know particularly from The Last of Us as he plays Joel. Ah, okay. Yeah, he's big. Troy Baker is in basically every video game ever. Him, Nolan North are the. Like, I was going to say, it's even no, this day's Nolan North. Yeah. Nolan North is this day's Nolan North, but yes. Higgs is a dickhead. Uh, there's no other way to say it. He's a, he's a complete wanker. He is one of the. He, he's sort of the leader of something called the Homo Demons, who are. Yes, that's not, a, that's not gay demons. It's sort of meant to be like a riff on the concept of those who play as like Latin. Because mm. likes to use language from other. Yeah. He likes to use... Oh, yeah. Homo sapiens. Yeah. Et cetera. Yeah. But Higgs is a shithouse. And, uh, <laughs> like... Yeah, I don't want to say any... I can't really say any more without spoiling huge chunks of the game, so I'm not mm. going to say any more, but... So, there is, a, there is a piece on The Quietus. It's sort of a, a review of the game written by a chap called Charlie Frame, and I'd like to do a little quote from it. 
Death Stranding takes fastidiousness to transcendent levels. A major part of the game involves making sure Sam's cargo is arranged properly so that heavier items don't throw him off balance. There are buttons for left and right shoulder straps which must be constantly adjusted to keep Sam from losing balance or tripping over. It's more like packing for a festival than being at the festival. <laughs> and yet, once I got good at it, I found myself reveling in these ostensibly trivial details to the point where it became central to the game. That's basically my experience. Yeah. You can auto-balance your cargo. There is a button you can just auto-balance your cargo. But I was get like whenever I was going out on a thing, you are you have to like decide what you can take with you. You gotta decide what materials either you can take from a locker, you have a private locker, but there's also like a con- like a community locker that all other players in the world can put stuff in. Mm. So there might be like, oh shit, I need a bike. Oh look, someone's left a bike in the garage, so you can just take that one. You don't have to build this, you're not gonna use yeah. any materials. Or you might want to make a little like a little extra carrier thing because there's like an extra carrier thing that you can build, which you sort of have as like a little attachment. Yeah. You can also build like a little companion robot that does that can actually go off and do deliveries as well and increase your likes that you get. It, it, you know, you you'll be sitting there going, "Oh man, do I how many blood bags should I take?" And yeah, like later in the game, you, I'm sitting there right. I need to take at least three blood bags because I know I'm gonna have to do some fighting, so I need to take quite a few blood bags so that. I have lots of ammo, but also I don't die. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to take, I'm going to, you know, and you have to consider the weight values of all of these things. Like, so, and I will say, like, I, the, there is a serious artistic license in how Sam is able to carry all this stuff on. Like, the technology that must exist for him to be able to put shit on yeah. him, like, it must be like magnetic or something. Mm. There is no, like, because if you carry that much actual stuff in real life, you would collapse and die. The way yeah. it comes, like, you have shit that's attached to his fucking, like... Uh, bicep. Bicep. You have, like, you can have a thing attached to that. You have things attached to your back. You have... You can put, like, a little frame to increase the weight limit. You have shit attached to, like, your utility belt. You have, a, like, a boot belt that goes on the side of yourself as well, so you carry an extra pair of boots because boots degrade and you need to have good, good solid boots. You can switch to these little, like, shit sandals for, like, stealth reasons. So if you're sneaking to a like a mule camp or a bandit camp and you want to like steal steal some cargo because you want to build an extra road and you think oh they've got a hundred ceramics I'm gonna go there and fuck them up because I need a hundred ceramics to build this goddamn road you can do that you like and it it you do become obsessed with it you do actually become like genuine you spend five ten minutes just going right okay I've got to take this bomb. Or I've got to take this massive bit of car. Or I've got to take like five things that weigh like a hundred kilos. But I also need to make sure I take other stuff. So you will, like you end up building shit. If you like planning trips, if you're someone who likes planning like a trip, mm. this is so the game for you. If you like not even going on trip, but just the planning of it. If yeah. you like, like busy work is a huge thing in this game. It's just in many ways it's just busy work. But it's so compelling and weird and haunting. The atmosphere of the world is haunting. Mm. And this is partly because of the incredible use of music. There's a band for, there's a band in particular called Low Roar, this Icelandic band. Oh, okay. The, their music's in particular, like, there'll be scenes you're just walking along and then the music will just cue in like a song. And I don't want to say it's transcendent because that's a little bit too much, but it's like that if the game doesn't click for you at that moment it never will mm. if you aren't like oh my god this is just delightful I'm just you know I'm walking along this beautiful scenery yeah I could die yeah mm-hmm. I could get like munched by a fucking ghost thing or you know some dickhead in a 
car is going to like throw like a javelin at me and paralyze me and steal my cargo or they're going to try and like shoot me and steal my cargo you know that stuff is the atmosphere is just unbelievable the music honestly low rules music in this game is perfect like it's i don't even know how he found them i don't know how kojima found this band i I don't know he i think he encountered i don't i can't remember how he did it but they're not the only band that have music in this game and the sort of title song is by the band churches Mm, i saw that in the trailer yeah and uh bring me the horizon also have a song in the game oh really yeah they do (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> I know they weren't named in the trailer. Yeah, oh, they do. Sad for them. Yeah, they do. It's it's it is, it's yeah, it's a pretty good song actually. But yeah, low rules music is haunting. The mm. general like ambient music in general is haunting. There's like a particular piece. There's like this sort of lullaby that is occasionally sung that is haunting. Every so often you hear London bridges falling down in like slow down haunting style. Oh, like a horror movie. Yeah. Like a like a horror movie from the last five years. <laughs> <laughs> I know I've said it earlier, but a huge part of this game, I know I've talked about it with the connection with other players, it really is about connecting. Mm. It's about reconnecting what was lost. It's about bring, connecting together to bring something new into the world. It's about connection. There is connect, the connection that you form with the baby. There mm. is a connection there. I won't say any more because it will spoil it. But that connection is incredibly important. Like, for example, if the baby gets too stressed, it goes into um, autotoxemia, which right. <laughs> yeah. But, but but basically, if that happens, it means it can't help you sense BTS, which is a problem. Mm. Like there is an entire you know little game mechanic about soothing the baby, and you do that quite a lot. And let's just say uh, Norman Reedus becomes very attached to this baby. Well, yeah, I would assume that you would if you're going around with baby. Yeah. All the time. Yeah, like. <laughs> You know, but at the same time, this game is also very eccentric. It's you know the plot is insane and dark and weird, but it's very it's still got a lot of Kojima eccentricities. Like for example, the character of Hartman dies every twenty one minutes <laughs> and comes back to life three minutes later. That's that his entire that his that yeah he just you'll be talking to him. He dies, comes back to life, and then you know you have a little chat about something. These these weird eccentricities, I love them so much. But I understand that other people would find them quite annoying. Hartman, when he talks to you in the first sort of major cutscene you have with him, he will like look directly into the camera and like put his thumbs up you, and you get like twenty likes. Mm. And then you do something that annoys him, and he takes them away again. You have no control over this. It's like these weird little eccentricities. And I mean, I regularly when I was playing this game, I played this game I think for about forty plus hours. That was my overall playtime. I, I know there's more that I could do if I wanted to. Yeah. But those 40 hours, I'll say this now. My biggest criticism of the game is I think it starts, the way the start is designed from a perspe- from a getting people into it perspective is not great. I, that is my biggest criticism. I think there's not enough playing, there's too much talking mm. in the start of the game. It's That's my big criticism. Once you that is out of the way and you are playing more than you're hearing talking, this game absolutely got its hooks into me because I really wasn't sure if I was feeling it. Yeah. Then there was a point where I was I just found myself completely transfixed. Like you can play it in the way that say you want to do a mission, go from A to B, turn the game off, go do something else, come back to it. It works on that level. Yeah. There's obvious stopping and starting points, mm. and a lot of games don't have that. No. 
like you, a lot of games you just feel like you just keep playing to a certain point but in this game the way because of the arduousness of some of the journeys you do feel like a natural stopping point when you get to the next place yeah um, some of the journeys are really quick you can honestly some journeys some of the missions you can do in like 20 seconds if you know what you're doing others will take you half an hour you know it's like the game is sort of divided into episodes some of the episodes are like a significant chunk of the game some of them are literally 20 minute segment Mm. the beguiling nature of trying to get from A to B without dying and just being completely subsumed and haunted and fascinated by this sort of insane attempt to essentially reconnect everything and Mm. connect things and bring people online to the chiral network and meet all these weird characters that again they literally the vast majority of characters that you speak to do not speak to you in person on paper this should that that should be so isolating and weird yeah but the game is at pains to tell you how good a job you're doing it's Mm. it's like you could argue this is some sort of weird tribute to poster workers yeah you could argue you could imply that this is a subtle tribute to just people that are just trying to get on and do good things Mm. you could say like i i just i find myself so gripped by it because the story is also insane yeah oh my god it it is like the story is mad some of the stuff that happens in the late part of the game is like jaw-droppingly crazy but i couldn't look away i needed to know where this was going i needed to know what's happening next every time sorry just every time madam is on the screen i'm just like i need to i need to see more of this character I, like every time it was just like ooh yeah like what the, what's he gonna say what because what, 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 his character is basically a mystery yeah like what his character actually is is just a mystery that unravels itself bit by bit and it's just fucking mad it's just mad as a box of frogs all the other characters well like fragile has a really interesting arc Higgs is just a massive bastard but fascinating and incredibly like every time he shows, he doesn't show up that often, at least in every game. But when he does, it's like, oh shit, I'm gonna some something mad is gonna happen. I'm gonna mm. do something crazy. The combat is fine, like it's not a game with the greatest combat system in the world. But it doesn't it, sound like it's that common in the no, grand scheme of the forty no, hours or whatever. No, it is, no, though. it's not super common that you need to. You can yeah. like go and attack mule camps and whatever. You can do that again. I wouldn't if you are if if you, if you're asking me what you should do. I wouldn't do that unless you have to. I try and avoid it if you can, cause especially in the early game, because they will quite easily just outnumber you and just inconvenience you and just be a right pain in your backside. But like, yeah, I, sorry, I feel like I'm going to start repeating myself, but I genuinely, genuinely found so much calmness. And like, I love going for like really long walks. Mm. I, I, I like the, I like the great outdoors I like the challenge of getting from A to B yeah. using just literally my own wits I've always liked that it's something that I've liked since I was but a tiny child this game really scratches that itch mm. and I can imagine during the actual pande- main part of the pandemic in 2020 if I'd have played it then rather than 2022 I think this would have gripped me even more because yeah. I think it would have spoken to a part of us that was completely lost mm. for a while that like we were reliant on people and porters like yeah absolutely yeah people were reliant like they absolutely yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. i i don't know it really shows i mean i was saying this during the pandemic but it seems like this game is saying this too like uh, the true value of the roles 
people play in their professions that people I'd say just just have I don't know in my lifetime have historically been very undervalued or seen as like yeah. why would you know why would you you wouldn't aspire necessarily to do that but actually there are some of the jobs that are giving the the, the greatest value to us when we are in dire straits as a as a society you yeah know? every character when they see Sam they're all so grateful for him to be yeah. there like they're all like every time you recycle materials you get like a little message from um, the president of the UCA which is like just saying keep on keeping on like you'll occasionally encounter like other like the, sometimes the other there'll be like some submissions from the bridges um, company that require you to um, like help other porters so occasionally you will see other physical porters in the game and you see me just like give them a little wave and they're like hello it's a really small thing but I know what Kojima I think is trying to do with that he's trying yeah. to you know it's keeping on trying to sort of how do I put this trying to I don't want to say bring hope mm. but also but kind of yeah because like every character the characters when they get connected to the coronet they're always so excited for that because they, they're excited about the possibilities of what they can do and like sharing information sharing knowledge like you know yeah these people aren't physically coming together but like it's almost like the utopian promise of early social media and early internet you know, oh, like nineties internet. Kind of. People thought it could have been. Yeah, 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 kind yeah. Of. No, I, 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 I know the utopian uh, hope that was that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Only um, good could come of this. <laughs> yeah, they said in the early nineties. Um, but yes, I, I, I do know what you're getting at. It's, it's. I suppose it sounds like within the game and within the plot, like it's the hope that comes from knowing that having been isolated and it not being possible to trek across physically trek across these lands or whatever there is now uh, a mechanism or an outlet for connection to other human beings which is a thing that as a species we require yeah to exist yeah so yeah no I, i understand that yeah yeah i think i'm gonna leave it there but actually, hang on a second. I only mentioned, I, I mentioned it at the start. We're going to circle back to the end. Conan O'Brien is in this game. He has oh, yeah. a small cameo. He has a small cameo as a non-central plot related character. You can go and find him. Um, I didn't know this until about a month after I played it. Like genuinely, I didn't actually know this. And then someone pointed out. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? There's a goddamn Conan O'Brien cameo That's in funny. this mad game. That's this very funny. mad fucking game. I'm not going to say it's a masterpiece. It's a masterpiece. But what I will say is, is it completely unique? No. I don't think Kojima has achieved that. Mm. I think there are unique ideas. Yeah. I think there are things that could be expanded upon in a possible sequel, which Norman Reedus appeared to have confirmed, but Mr. Kojima was like, oh, Norman, you naughty little bastard. You shouldn't have said that. You shouldn't have said that, Norman. <laughs> shouldn't have, you shouldn't have said that, Norman. We're not having another game. But we are. I know we are, but we shouldn't fucking said it, Norman. What are you doing? Don't know why he's now become someone out of the League of Gentlemen. I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it's sort of heavily, heavily... Yeah, Norm Reedus has openly said in an interview that they are working on the second one. That is going to happen. I'm excited as fuck. Yeah. Because I don't know how they're going to do a second one with the way the first one ends, but I'm fucking curious. There was also some sort of campaign brief campaign with like images coming out with um, the actress Elle Fanning with like the words, oh, Who yeah. am I? From like a Kojima account, a Kojima Russian's account, and Norris is like, yeah, we get excited to work together. I'm like, I think I know, I think I already know who El Fanning is playing. 
judging yeah but that's a different conversation for probably another four or five years from now the tom holland of death stranding when it comes to (laughs) saying things a little too early yeah all right last thing i'm gonna say last last thing i'm gonna say i said it earlier i cannot recommend this game to everybody sure but but if you've ever enjoyed a kojima game if you've ever enjoyed metal gear solid for example and you want something a little less bleak still incredibly kojima but if you want something that's going to if you don't want something that requires you to shoot everything that moves but you want something that's going to challenge you in a different weird way and you like big crazy science fiction stories if you like and also if you just enjoy norman reedus matabicus and leah sidhu and all that i i cannot recommend this enough because this game genuinely had a real haunting profound kind of like kind effect on me mm. I felt kinder towards people for a little bit after playing this like I, I you know and also I just from a gameplay point of view I find it absolutely fascinating atmospherically it's fascinating the music's incredible but if you but I know I can't recommend this to everyone but I I do think if you can get past the start the first sort of hour I think this will grab you and will stay with you because even if you hate it there ain't much like this we need ideally the world would have more people like Hideo Kojima making these original but like this is not based on anything yeah which is you know it seems to it's happen less and less concept. in the world <laughs> like, yeah. like and I we more of this type of thing this sort of brave bold utterly utterly off the rails concept mm. we need more of it in this world we do like games life art is more interesting when people are willing to take massive narrative and creative risks yeah absolutely and what i found incredibly beguiling and i i've been thinking about this game for months it just month it, like it just comes into my head like little image you know image Mazbuk was just saying bb <laughs> like that just has stayed in my head all the time like i i <sighs> right Sorry, I'm getting. I'm, I worry I'm going to start getting quite emotional, but I, you know, I cried at the ending. Can't lie, I cried at the ending. I, I genuinely like wept softly, not like bawling, bawling my eyes, but I had this sort of really like just a like, single tear. So genuinely, like the no, Indian. But when the, the because the trailer, the ending of the launch trailer. Yeah. If you watch it, every character seems to be shedding a single tear. <laughs> So they're preemptively telling you this is how it's going to end for you too. <laughs> Single tear rolling down the face. All right, I'm. I've been a bit rambly. I know this, but Death Drowning is wild, creative. I thought it was fucking brilliant. Maybe you will too. Maybe you won't. But I'd love to know what you think. Right, enough. Do you know what you're doing next week, my love? Well, unfortunately, it won't include Conan O'Brien, to my knowledge. Oh, what? The Conan streak's over? The Conan streak, I think, is over. I mean, I I wonder... I'll, I'll see if this, this band performed on Conan during this run, and maybe the Conan streak will continue. But I don't think so. Um, no, I'm going to talk about my favourite album from the band Against Me, Transgender Dysphoria Blues. Excellent choice all round. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to episode 51. Uh, We will see you down the road. Keep on keeping on. Goodbye. Bye.
You were listening to the Darling Why podcast presented by Louis Tangarides and Kate Stewart. If you liked what you heard, please feel free to give us a follow at Darling Why Podcast on Instagram. Feel free to rate and subscribe on whatever podcast feed you're listening to. This podcast is produced, edited and put together entirely by Louis Tangarides and Kate Stewart. Thanks for listening. See you next time.